What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 70.2. Yes, 70.2. And we are continuing our playthrough of The Evil Within 2 for A Nightmare Before Christmas, After Christmas, and New Year's. And today I have with me Matt. Hello. So yeah, we uh, left off in chapter 9. Uh, we had defeated the main boss. Uh, Stefano is dead. He is. We have murdered him. Yep. Game over. And it come to find out there is a a new evil. There's a a second evil within. So was this seeded at all prior to this reveal? Prior to us killing Stefano, that Stefano wasn't the bad guy. Well, we did see the weird ooze creature, but. We just thought it was like a little boss character or something like that we'd see later on, or at least that's what I thought. I didn't know that mm -hmm. that ooze creature was controlled by Myro, who is also Sebastian's wife, who is also in STEM somehow, which we will find out how a little bit later on. So I know you had alluded last week, uh, you know, just how it's a little awkward that it's like two different games kind of merged together. Right. And it now that we're kind of, if you want to say, halfway through the second part of the game, it still kind of feels that way to me. Really? Because I think they they actually try to. I think they do the best they can at saying this is all part of the plan. I don't know. This is all connected. Because I was worried that why is all this stuff happening to Sebastian? Why is his daughter? You know. Yeah. See, I, I guess I would I, I would agree with that point. I think the second half has more of a relevance to Sebastian and his life, but it doesn't explain at all why Stefano was the first half. Yeah. Why was Stefano even hooked up to the STEM thing? Right. Like the, the first half and the second half don't tie together. The second half, I, I think, is actually better in the way that it ties to Sebastian's life. Yeah, and his family. That's what I'm getting. That, that, yeah, that now that you're mentioning it, that is weird. So the people who are connected to STEM here are people who were always supposed to be in it. Right? So the people who are inside the simulation are all sitting in bathtubs outside, right? In Mobius. Yeah. Because so, we do we do see the one person take an exit and he <laughs> climbs into a bathtub to do so. So why exactly did you know Kidman not know who Stefano was? There's this crazy madman running around who has the ability to do weird stuff. Kidman should be like, Oh, that's Stefano. He's hooked up right here. Yep. Why don't you just unplug him? When you do that, that kills him. I don't... See, perhaps we are breaking it, and we're not supposed to. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I had mentioned last week. I, As long as it's good otherwise, I can live with this, I think. But the fact that the second half so far has been much more about Sebastian's family and his life... It makes me question even more why why the first half existed. That's true. The, yeah. 
Unless they tie, than, it, tie it in at the end. I don't know. Yeah, may, maybe they will. So far, I don't feel like they have. but They definitely haven't. Cause maybe they will. It feels like the game should have started with him finding Lily, and then his wife takes her. And it's like, oh, no, my wife is in here. Why is she in here? Oh, well, you know, we'll get into it. But, oh, she's you know part of it. And then, you know, it's all about him discovering, oh, my wife's in here. Not yep. this crazy art guy. Yeah, I mean... I guess if they already had the first part of the game done, I don't know why you wouldn't just have it be like a mysterious character who you would maybe learn a little bit about, and then the big reveal halfway through is it's his wife instead of having it be a different character. Yeah, or rather the other guy, the 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 man who wants to become God. Yeah. Theodore. So let's get into that. Yeah, because that's where we start. Yeah, basically, we, we basically are introduced to our next big villain. So Myra, uh, as the waxy character she is, takes Lily, and we chase after them. Uh, doing so, we start running into this strange realm. We've crossed into a new part of the stem that is kind of hellish. Looks yeah, a kind of a hellish dungeon. Dungeon. It looks like a dungeon. And we start getting the realization that somebody else is here pulling the strings. Um, uh, throughout this little dungeon area, we're getting talks with Kidman, and we're also getting hints at why is Myra, why is Sebastian's wife in this simulation? Uh, well... It's eventually revealed a little bit later on, but uh, we can we can continue onward with the new villain going through this dungeon area, sneaking around. We don't have any boss fights or anything like that. Um, I do run into the ghost lady again here. Um, I was looking for a resonance and. Uh, went into a new dreamscape or whatever with her chasing me. and then, But when I completed this one, I got a trophy for letting go. So basically what this ghost is doing is chasing us into certain areas. And it's always having to do with Sebastian dealing with his innermost demons. And... I doubt this will be the last time we see her, but he's able to get rid of, or he realizes that a part of him has never really left STEM. A part of him has always been stuck here, even back during the Beacon uh, days uh, in the first game. Excuse me. Um, yeah, which in itself I think is is a interesting way to handle it. Yeah. Right, because I mean, there's other pieces of media where i don't know you for example event horizon you know you cross over you bring something back with you here you go into stem it's you're still kind of there this idea that you think you're free of something or you think you've woken up from a dream and you're not is kind of scary in its own right because you don't know how to get rid of that piece he mentions that in the slide i don't know if you've went back and talked to kidman while you're looking at the slides the yeah. slide you get from this one, he says, I, I feel like he's like for months after the beacon incident, I felt like, was this even real? 
Was I still yep. stuck in the simulation and I was just making all this up? And Kidman was like, I feel the same way. He's like, you never really leave or you never feel like you've left. Uh, but- yeah. Spe- speaking of those slides for a second, obviously I'm going to do them because they give you green some gel. bonuses, yeah. some green gel. But they do feel kind of weirdly disjointed. Like, I, I wish the interactions with Kidman were maybe a little bit more organic. You know, you mentioned last week about kind of feeling alone in here. I, I guess along those lines, I kind of wish Kidman would reach out to me more mid-game instead of, you know, if I find a slide, I know I'm going to go back to, you know, his his room. I'm going to put it in the projector. The cat's going to jump off the table. You know, that whole section is feels a little repetitive when I, I wish it was just a little bit more organic. Right. Yeah. I wish there was a little bit more interactions with Kidman because I mean, yeah. you always have your communicator on. There's times where I can't use my communicator, which you can't talk to Kidman, but you'd think that especially with all this shit going down, he'd be like, Hey Kidman, you there? I need somebody just to talk to me for a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say just a quick sanity check Yeah, because he, I, I, I feel like if I were in his position, just hearing another person that at least I think is real would would be would be a nice grounding effect, given right. all the the craziness. Yeah. So yeah, uh, but with this one, God, she's she's moving furniture. This this ghost apparition thing. She's in the middle of a room, and there's like desks and I don't know, like dressers and stuff like that surrounding her. And she's constantly raising them and lowering them. And so you have to pick and choose when you want to run by from cover to cover so she doesn't see you. Because if she sees you, you're automatically dead. It's over. Yeah. This feels kind of like the last encounter with her. I don't know. It may very well be, or she may show up at the very end. Yeah. But the reason why is because after you finish this section, you run into what looks like a morgue. And when you walk up to, you know, a table... Old Sebastian is there. Sebastian from the first game. And he's like, I'm still partially here. And it's torturing me. And he's like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And he pulls out a gun and shoots whoever that is sitting on the desk or on the table there. (laughs) And uh, you get a trophy saying that you finally let go. You've, you've, You've let go and you have embraced yourself. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, but but it does tie into again his, you know, it, it makes it the second half being more personal. Like he's coming to acceptance and, you know, trying to reconcile finally with his family. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, it, but the internal struggle and the external struggle coming together is, you know, a nice powerful way to end the game. I think. Yeah. Although this section does come a little bit later. This is in chapter eleven that we fight Anima again. Is it? I thought yeah. it was while we were getting to him, getting to Theodore. No, you're right. It's whenever we're trying to find O'Neill. Yeah, we're trying to go back to O'Neill. Excuse me, I have completely derailed this. So we, we we will get to that, but anyway. So going through this dungeon area in Chapter 9... Uh, we make it eventually to the part where we run into our next main villain, 
who is uh, Theodore, what's his last name? Uh, crap. Oh, I can't remember name? his last name. Hang on a second. I'll try and look it up here. Theodore the Evil Within. Theodore Wallace. But he goes by Father Theodore. And, um... He is going to be our next villain because, well, um, he uh, is also connected to STEM. Uh, and he was here for a different reason, uh, which we can go ahead and get into a little bit. So there were three people, or technically four people, there were four people who went into STEM secretly to basically get Lily out and completely ruin the STEM, shut it down completely. Those three people were Theodore, um, Myra, which is Sebastian's wife. Um, God, there was the soldier woman. What was it? What's her name? Torres. Torres. Yeah. Esmeralda. Is Esmeralda Torres? Uh, good question. I think it was Esmeralda. So there was three people and four. Am I missing somebody? There was somebody else that went in. And Kidman. Kidman worked with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, these four people, uh, decided they wanted to take down Mobius. They're sick of what they're doing. Two people, uh, sick of their shady, shady deals with all the government ties and stuff like that. So they want to shut it down. So their, their mission was to go into STEM, log in, and get Lily and completely disrupt the entire thing. Theodore was the one who was going to be doing the disrupting while, uh, Torres and Myra were going to be rescuing Lily and then Outside of STEM, Kidman was going to um, handle things on the outside. Also, Kidman didn't want to go back into STEM because she said she never wanted to go back in it again. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. So, um, but obviously things did not pan out the way they wanted to. And one of the reasons why is because Theodore went kind of crazy. He decided that instead of uh, letting everybody escape, he was going to take Lily and take her power, which is the the psychic or the psychological ability to control the stem, the reality as we know it inside this simulation, and become basically a god, and I guess live his life forever jacked inside of this machine. So he decides to screw up everything. And now we have the world as we know it. So, um, Theodore, also known as Father Theodore, uh, almost like a preacher or something. Yeah, very, very much. Or an evangelist of some kind, uh, 
is trying to recruit Sebastian for his cause. Sebastian's not having any of this. Sebastian is basically Edward Carnby, you know. <laughs> I don't have your stones, and fuck you anyway. Um, or at least that's what he says. <laughs> so he's, he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to go with you. So he... Uh, decides, okay, well, I kind of run this place, so I'm just going to do whatever I want with you. And he has a a flood of blood come gushing out, and it sweeps him away. The next thing he knows, he is being woken up by a woman named Torres, who is inside of a house in the woods, fighting off a bunch of these zombie-ish people. That we've been yep. fighting this entire time. Feeling a lot like Call of Duty zombies here. Yeah. And she's, so you help her have a, have a little, uh, horde mode, if you will, uh, fight with a whole bunch of these guys. And, um, that's when we get the whole des- deposition that of, hey, I'm Torres, us, you know, Myra, and Theodore and all of us came in here to get Lily out and well we see how things have, what things have happened and so we go back to her safe house along the way to her safe house we run into a new type of enemy uh this enemy uh has a giant mask on looks like a fire breather mask kind of thing and he has a flamethrower uh really creepy looking dude uh, we don't fight him. In fact, he kind of runs off, but he has a bunch of his little zombie minion guys who are now on fire. And when they're on fire, you can't, uh, sneak attack them. You have to wait for the fire to go out. They also charge you, I believe, right? They do. If they see you, they just bum rush you. Um, and, when, and do they explode if they catch you? I, I, I don't know. I, I want to say they do, but. I haven't let them catch me. In fact, I've got a really good... I have done so well at gaming this game to the point where a guy will see me and I will legit, like, freaking duck down behind a cover. He's right in front of me. And he's like, where do you go? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So uh, we clear out those guys and we make it to her safe house. Also known as the Nature Preserve. And uh, that's where we get a little bit more of the dis- deposit- deposition. I kept saying deposition because I'm a dumb southerner. We get a little bit more dialogue with her. Um, and she is the soldier of the entire thing. She knows her way around a gun. In fact, she's got a really nice assault rifle that I'd like to have. Uh, and she also has a lot of explosives that will come into play a little bit later on. Um, so after that, we get separated from her. She, she stays back because we have to go back and locate O'Neill. Um, they were saying that how could we figure out where to find this father Theodore guy? It's like, well, O'Neill was the tech guy. He could probably track him down. Yeah, so, so head back through the, the marrow. Yeah, head back through the marrow and uh, see if you can uh, locate O'Neill. So, and this is where it's kind of interesting because it's the merging. I mean, you you talked about seeing the anima in Chapter 9. Yeah. Well, ch- Chapter 9 kind of invades the marrow here. 
where you've got all kinds of like dead bodies, you've got decayed bits on the wall, you've got altars and candles and all of that in the marrow, which is a, certainly a different look to what's been a, a fairly mundane set of hallways. Sorry, I had my mic muted. Crap. <laughs> I said a lot of stuff right there. So, uh, the, um, crap. We had to go through, we got to go back through the marrow to find O'Neill. O'Neill's not, not, not communicating with us. He won't answer his phone, essentially. So, uh, as we're going through the marrow, uh, we say, hey, why don't we swing by Yukiko's, the psychologist, her safe house because it's on the way. Let's fill her in on that stuff. And when we get there, she's not there. But we do find a resonance. So we listen to it, and we find out that she had been called by O'Neill to the restricted area, the place of the marrow that they normally don't go to, the laboratory. Where they need, what, a special brain implant to even get in? Yes. Uh, Which... How could you even be jacked into this system if you don't have that brain implant? Well, Sebastian doesn't have it, so. Hmm. <laughs> That's weird. So, I think yeah. it was only the Mobius operatives that had it, though, right? It was I, only the people. Oh, well, yeah. Anybody who worked for, for Mobius had to have it. So practically everybody in this freaking simulation had it, right? Like, I don't know who all's jacked into this thing. Yeah. And are there other ways in? Exactly. That's my thing. So I was thinking like, you know, Stefano or whoever's behind this whole thing was like remotely jacked in somewhere. You know? Like yeah. through, the, through the internet or something like that, you know? Yeah, virtually jacked. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, so, uh, Yukiko went to meet with Liam O'Neill, um, and we continue on through the marrow. Uh, some stuff goes down in the, uh, while getting there. And this is where we run into the apparition ghost lady. And we, we kind of leave our old, old Sebastian behind, as I said before. Yep. And for one of the more linear, like, as one of the linear chapters, I feel like this was one of the longer ones. There's a lot that happens in chapter 11. Yeah. So there's a lot of like just sneaking around. You have to, you can't go through this door in the lab because you don't have one of your brain chips in. So you got to go find a brain chip. Uh, during that time, we then run into the ghost apparition. Then after that, as we're getting our chip, we then release all these freaking monsters that were like in holding cells. So now we got to go back through the area now with monsters running around. Um, which gave me a little trouble. I turned a corner one time. It was one of those giant little towering things that explode or whatever. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and I had to, t- to turn back around. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have, like, tr- I didn't die in the section, but I did use a whole lot of ammo. Because there's that one part upstairs also where you're, you're kind of walking around the outside of the larger room. But then there's a, a cross section of crosswalks in the middle where there's a couple extra zombies kind of feeding, but they were facing each other, so I couldn't sneak up on either of them. Um, disappointing because I ended up just blasting them away, and then there wasn't really anything there. I thought I thought they were covering something that would be useful. Right. But yeah, um, when we get the uh, the chip, which we have to drill into a guy's head. And get it out. Yeah, if that's the way they put it in, I'm surprised that anybody, anybody survives, survives it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we uh, make it through that door, and uh, we come up onto what looks like a boss fight arena. In fact, you can kind of tell. <laughs> yeah, there's uh there's um cans of uh, liquid nitrogen like leaning up against the walls, and I'm like, hmm, that looks like something I could use against a boss. Yep, again, not necessarily a bad thing that you could tell, because as soon as I walked into this room, I'm like, oh shit. You know, and there's the there's the levers on the wall. Yeah. And I was like, alright, something's happening here. <laughs> Something will happen. So, uh, we come to a door, right past that little boss arena, and uh, we get a cutscene uh, with uh, Yukiko is yelling to somebody in uh, in the other room. When we open the door, we see that it is Liam O'Neill. But Liam O'Neill is not him. Uh, he is the man with the flamethrower. And he looks corrupted. Yeah, he is corrupted. Looks almost like he got burned. Yeah. And he puts on his mask... And he's trying to recruit Yukiko into the, I guess, the League of Extraordinary Crazy People. Um, but she won't have anything of it. And. And also doesn't want us initially to shoot him. Yeah. We don't, we don't really know quite yet at the beginning why she's protecting this monster until we realize it's him. Yeah. And so, um, now we have our boss fight with Liam. Liam had somehow he he probably grew to about seven feet tall. <laughs> he is a big guy here. He is giant. Um, he's got this flamethrower, which he then can blast flame at us like a fireball at us, or he can also just kind of f- set stuff on fire, like wave it around. Uh, he also has this wonderful attack where he <laughs> rushes at you. And if he catches you, he stabs you in the stomach with his flamethrower and then burns you and it instantly kills you no matter how much health you have left. Yeah, I I felt that once. I felt that multiple times. Here's the deal. I have, (laughs) I have upgraded my, my, my handgun especially. I have upgraded a lot of my stuff and I legit ran out of ammo on him. Uh, I came close. This is where I've been. I felt lucky that I had upgraded all of my warden arrows also. Yeah. Because I used every one of those first. And I got into a good rhythm. I think I died twice on this boss. The first time, 
I just kind of thought he would have less life than he did. So I had used up all of my arrows, all of my shotgun shells, and I'm like, all right, he's got to be done. Picked up a couple, and I just ran up to him and just shot him a couple times, and he killed me. And the second time, I just made a mistake. But I had a good rhythm going where I would either explode him or harpoon him from a distance. I would use the freeze or the electric bolts to stun him for a little bit and then get in like three three good shotgun blasts up close, and then I'd run away. So I'm like, that. Like, as far as enemies in this game goes, if you hit them with a bolt and then three shotgun blasts, that's that's a lot of damage. Oh, yeah. So And I did that cycle until I was out of both of those. So I, I must have hit him 14, 15 times with some of the, the strongest weapons that I have, and I was just shocked that he wasn't dead yet, and I finally did kill him, I think, with the handgun, but... I, he he had more life than I expected him to have. Well, I will tell you this. There are two little secrets to this boss fight. The first one being, then there is a trophy. I did not realize this. There's a trophy for making his tank explode. Oh. Now, I saw that trophy and said, I want to try and go for that. To which I decided that, so it's basically a circle. Essentially. So I was like, let me see if I can run past him, run all the way around this arena, and and go up behind him and hit him in the tank. I then found out, you can sneak attack this guy. What? I snuck attacked that guy four times and he died. Wow. I I did not realize that. Is... Did you do that by running all the way around the circle? I did. Huh. Uh, I also could use a smoke um, bolt, and he couldn't see. And uh, like, and you've dark- upgraded to that point where you can uh, sneak attack in the in the fog, basically in the, in the fog. Yeah. Nice. And I uh, I uh, dark knighted him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I murdered him with a friggin' knife. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I kind of want to go back and try that now. Yeah. I didn't get the trophy because when I found out I could just sneak attack him, I was like, this is easy. I snuck attack him. He'd turn around. I'd run the opposite way. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was that. that, Like in the first time I fought him, I legit fought him with guns and used up all of my ammo and he still wasn't dead. Because when you get him down, so after, so it takes four sneak attacks to kill him. On the second sneak attack, he then gets really mad and takes off his mask and then starts moving faster yeah. uh, and is being more aggressive. Um, so I got, when I was fighting him legit, I had, um, I had him down to where he'd already take off his mask. And then of course he, he did his old run stab thing. Uh, and I was like, God, I'm doing something wrong here. And, uh, I looked at the fact and it said, oh, if you want this trophy, you have to make his tank explode. I was like, oh, okay, well, let me go for that. And that's when I found out, oh, you can sneak attack this guy. What? <laughs> so I just kept doing that until he died, and it only took four. Yeah, I'd imagine explosive bolts in the back would be the best way to blast his tank. Probably. Or you think it's just a set amount of damage? I don't know. It's probably just a set amount of damage. But, you know, he he's pretty quick. For for a gigantic man with a big thing strapped on his back, so yep. yeah. And I don't feel like he was actually starting 
the fires in that room. I mean, it was all a little chaotic, but it seems like when you hit the sprinkler and the fires die down a little bit, they just kind of start back up on their own, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though I've put them out like four times now. Mm-hmm. So after we defeat him in battle... He's not fully dead just yet. He lays there on the floor and he shows his remorse. He said that uh, Theodore uh, coerced him into doing this to, for his cause. And he, he kind of didn't want to do it. In fact, he felt really bad for trapping Yukiko and tricking her into coming to meet him. But he did help us. He said that there is something that is keeping us from finding Theodore. And it's a machine that he devised, and it's in the next room. If you destroy that machine, it will reveal him, and you'll be able to find him and track him down. And then he dies. So, uh, with that, uh, we go into the next room, and we uh, we see this. It looks almost like one of those, uh, the emitter thing. That we had uh, turned on uh, whenever we were fighting Obscura. Yeah. Stable uh, field emitter. Yeah. So uh, we're like, okay, well, I don't know what's going to happen when we destroy this thing, but we're going to call Torres because she's got all that explosives. So we call up Torres, and uh, she shows up and uh, gives us uh, some of her explosives, sets the charge. Yukiko says she's going to the other room to examine some of the other machines that uh, looks like uh, Liam had been working on. Mm-hmm. And uh, we blow it. I always get a little bit anxious also when... Because this clearly isn't the end of the game, but they clearly take a minute to say, have you done everything you want to do? Are yeah. you ready to go to the next section? I'm like, oh shit, well, we're not coming back here. Well, they, they did act like that. But I think this next section didn't really last that long. It la- yeah. it was a lot shorter than what I thought, which makes me think that I do something. I, I wouldn't say did something wrong, but did I rush through that? So the next section, which when we when we blow up the the emitter or whatever that device was, um, Torres is nowhere to be seen. She she kind of disappears. Uh, the room then turns into almost like the dungeon room again. And, uh, Theodore doesn't necessarily reveal himself. He, um, he's talking to us and he's like, okay, fine. You want to drag me into the light? I'm going to drag you into the darkness. So he brings us into essentially what is chapter, what? 11, 12. 12, chapter 12, which is known as the bottomless pit. Yeah, which is where I started to think, oh, finally, they're going to explain those crappy loading screens, <laughs> right? Because in those loading screens, you're just walking around in kind of ankle-deep water, right? Yeah, nothingness. Nothingness, mm-hmm. and then some digital trees. But yeah, now they don't explain that. I think that's just a loading screen. Yeah. So we go into the bottomless pit, which is a pit that seems to go on forever, Um but we're using our communicator to follow Lily's voice. This is this is the next part of Sebastian's freeing himself. Yep. So what Theodore does is use people's guilt 
against them to make them do what he wants. Um, so that's what Sebastian is experiencing here as he's going through this pit. We run into a few places that are like modeled after um, Lily's room and he's having doubts about himself saying, you know, he's hearing Lily's voice say, you weren't there to help me. Mom was, but you weren't. Um, yeah, again, I like this as kind of a simple metaphor for his kind of broken psyche because everything here is a bit fractured. Yeah. You know, it's weird nothingness. It's those giant statues. It's a, a little bit of his home or, or a house and Lily. And it's all these different like kind of pieces and things and feelings and and and, and guilt all kind of like rolled in together. And it's a lot like Sebastian's basically just thinking out loud. Yep. It's like his his broken mind is like projected yeah. into this this nothingness around him. Um so going through this nothingness, it didn't take me long to get through this. I mean five minutes tops. Maybe you were supposed to explore. But I just followed the 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 communicator. I did explore a little bit because there's a lot of little oases. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of little points where you can see some land or something you can climb up on and some of those statues. I'm like, all right, well, there's got to be something over there. So I, I did maybe take, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes in a section. It's still not very long, but I, I did do some exploring here. And there are monsters running around. Um, some of those, I, I don't want to call them dog monsters, but the ones that are on all fours. <laughs> yeah, those things are <laughs> creepy. Demo dogs. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we eventually make it to uh, a part where it's a long set of stairs. And, uh, as we're going down those stairs, um, we make it to a part where it's almost like a throne room. And Theodore is there saying, here you go. And Lily's there. And as he walks up to Lily, she's obviously not Lily. It's like this weird burned evil version of her. And she chases after him and grabs him by his leg. And burns him alive. <laughs> and burns him alive. And How many times has he actually burned alive, like in his mind? You know? At least three or four times, right? Least, yeah, at least a couple. <laughs> I mean, even like the opening scene of the game, isn't you like you walk into a house and then burn alive? Yeah. So, um... Which I guess, again, is his guilt, right? Yeah. He thinks Lily died in a fire. And now it's burning him alive. Yeah. The guilt's burning him. So, um, yeah. He falls to his knees, and Theodore comes walking up to him. And uh, he's like, I'm going to beat you. And he pulls out his gun. He's like, guns won't work on me. And he disappears. And as Sebastian's pulling the trigger, something reappears in front of him. And it's Torres. And he shoots Torres in the chest. Or in the stomach, I should say. But she's not dead. She, <laughs> uh, she drags him all the way back. Uh, and he's. While fighting off many, many zombies. Yeah. Uh, and he's blinking in and out of consciousness at this point. Um, 
and as she's fighting off a bunch of the the monsters and it looks like she's about to succumb to them uh he kind of blacks out and when he wakes up he is in a recreation of his old home and everything is the way it was everything was happy and he's walking around trying to find whatever it is he's find looking for he sees lily flash by at one point and when you follow it you finally come into contact with myra and uh myra sits down on the couch she sits down with her and she has a wonderful discussion with him basically saying that none of this is your fault it's their fault you need to stop blaming yourself for this because this is your guilt and your guilt is what's holding you back you know don't worry about me don't worry about lily you need to worry about yourself because once you let go of of what you didn't do you can move on and it's actually a really touching scene yep and an easy, again an easy metaphor like how many people have issues in life that are of their own make? Because at one point they kind of explicitly say, like, your problems are, are are your own making. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, I think Sebastian like calls that out as ex- an explicit, like, oh wow, I'm the, I'm the cause of all this problem. Yeah. And as uh, she gets up to walk outside, uh, he hears a knock on the door. And uh, as he's opening the door, he hears Yukiko say, you need to wake up. He wakes up and he's back in Yukiko's safe house. Um, he And as he gets up, he sees Yukiko standing over Torres's body. Torres did not make it. Uh, he said, it was my fault. I shot her. She's like, no, that was just a superficial wound. She got killed by the monsters. But she survived long enough to bring you back here, which I didn't think she was going to do. When you're, when you're like blinking in and out of consciousness, she's like staggering, like almost falling over, a, a last desperate lunge to like shoot one of them. I'm like, oh, she's clearly going to die within seconds, uh, but apparently not. So, next thing on our list, Yukiko says, well. We know where he is now. The problem is getting to it. Because he's his little fortress that he has set up in Union is surrounded by fire. Reminiscent of Stefano's fortress, surrounded by barbed paintings. wire with paintings. Yes. So uh, we have to make our, make our way back to the hotel. I think he said that's where he was going to meet her at. Yeah, I think so. And... Um, We'll uh we'll reconvene there and try to figure out a way to get past it so we can get after him. And that is where I stopped. Doesn't take long to talk through this, does it? <laughs> yeah, not not too long. I mean, some of these chapters were really short. Yeah, and the ones that are longer, like was it four and seven? Yeah are just kind of open world, so it's not long because there's a lot of crazy things that happen. Yeah. But chapter, what, 11? Was yeah, just, 11 was, was, a, was a good long one. Yeah. yeah, it was a long, linear one. A lot did happen. Um, 
yeah, and again, I, I, I kind of still am enjoying the game. Uh, I think it, more and more the things that don't really make sense in this game look like they're just going to be true throughout the game. And the things that I do like about the game, I actually, you know, they continue to do them well. The tension, some of the boss fights, the when you're in the open world sections and you get back to that in Chapter 13 here, you're back in Union and you're back uh, with more availability of ways you can approach different situations. There's also new enemies there. So when there are the open world sections, I, I think they work really well. Although I guess it was really only the first one where I felt like I was actually exploring, right? Because that first one, I I didn't really realize how open it was. I was kind of going into into like we went into that church and you get a weird little cutscene. Found anima in one of those side houses. Like I didn't know what was going on. There was a lot of things I was seeing that clearly weren't part of the path of the game. They were just part of fleshing out the world. That seemed missable, and I'm curious that if we missed that, would he have given, would we have gotten that trophy for letting go of the old Sebastian? Yeah, do you need to have all, all of the interactions? Of yeah. yeah. Or four of them, maybe? I can't remember how many we ran into. But but that's kind of interesting because even though, again, I think 13 is kind of the third big open section, it's oh. really only the first one that to me felt open. The second one... I don't know, maybe I was just more aware or I felt like I had seen a lot of the open buildings. I did a little bit of extra stuff. I think it was Chapter 7. Um, like when I went and picked up that key and then I went to a storage room and, and got that extra shotgun. So, I don't know. I The game, I think, again, does the linear sections well. I think it does the open world sections well. So I, I am enjoying the game quite a bit. But that one big schism of why there's a first half and a second half and why they're not tied together better is is very strange. Yeah, I maybe they will connect them. I don't know. Yeah, but at this point, like the the longer they go without connecting it, the bigger, like crazier the, the tie-in has to be. Like, oh, the whole time I might have known this, but right. For it to like really make sense and elevate above, okay, I guess they threw something in there just so that they are tied together. Yeah. Which at this point, if they do, I almost don't even care. I mean, if I play 95% of the game thinking that they're completely separate and it's not super impressive at the end, then they might as well have just been separate. Right. I don't know. I guess we will find out. Uh, no emails uh, this uh, this week. So do you think we're going to finish it next week? I'm going to do my damnedest to finish it this week. Um, obviously, we got one more big open world section, and then I, th I have a feeling after that it's just going to be home stretch. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do my best to finish it. Uh, we will definitely see. But yeah, I've got a nice free weekend, so I'm I'm looking forward to finishing this off. So far, I've got a free weekend. I mean, I've obviously <laughs> got stuff I've got to do, but um, I don't have to work. I don't think we will find out. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I really want to sit down and talk about the upcoming uh, upcoming games that we're going to be playing. <laughs> yep. Um, we have a pretty good short list so far. 
We've already made some purchases. I think we can go ahead and safely say what our our next game will be. Um, and in case you don't know uh, and haven't been listening or paying attention to the the Twitter, uh, we're going to be doing all bad games this year. So we need to specify what we mean by bad games because uh i think we want to get games that you know so we have deadly premonition on the list yeah Uh, that's a good example for me because it's the kind of it it, it's bad in the way that b movies are bad it's campy yeah i think that would be the best way but it's also a bad game I, I watched I watched my roommate play through most of that game, and I was like, I'm glad I'm not playing this. So, I don't know how we're going to feel about Deadly Premonition. Yep. Um, uh, Duke Nukem Forever is another another one we have on our list, um, and I've for all intents and purposes, I think that's a decent playing game. It's just. It's just not as good as the weight of expectations that had built up alongside it. What do you expect from Duke Nukem, though? That's, yeah, that, that's my thing. Duke Nukem is a product of its time. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but our our next game and the game that's going to kick off the the year of the bad game is going to be Sonic the Hedgehog. And we're not talking the Sega Genesis game. We're talking about the 2006 Xbox 360 PlayStation 3 game. Which is notoriously known to be a horrible Sonic the Hedgehog game as well as just a horrible game altogether. And that's in a sea of horrible Sonic the Hedgehog games. Yeah. And this is mainly because of the bugs and the horrible loading times and just the, the game doesn't really work. I don't know. I get the feeling we're not going to finish this game. I get the feeling like I have never seen it, I don't think, or at least more than 30 seconds of it. I don't think I'm going to have a problem with it. I think I'm going to be so bowled over by Sonic nostalgia that just playing Sonic is going to make me happy. That's that's my my prediction. Oh, man. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this game. Just for, I just think it's going to be bright greens, bright blues, Sonics, uh-huh. golden rings. Oh, yeah. It's going to be childhood reimagined. Oh, That's man. my expect. I can't wait because I have seen this game played, and I have played a little bit of it. And you are in for a treat. A sh- like just a really bad treat. I'm talking like... You're gonna have. It's gonna be like somebody took a, a a live tuna and slapped you in the face with it. <laughs> so uh, just a nice slimy tuna hit you right in the face with it. And I don't I know. It's an icon. I Sonic the Hedgehog. Period. Okay, so they were trying to reboot the series with this one. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not some weird offshoot. It is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. It's oh man. I can't wait. I, I mean, I can wait, but I, I, I can wait to play it, but I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it because it's going to be bad. I, and, and the way you like, oh, I have so much nostalgia for this. I can't wait to play it. Oh, man. Oh, you're going to be I like do. me at the end of Alone in the Dark. 
I I mean, Sonic holds a big place in my gaming history, as it does for many people. And currently, as we speak, Sonic the Hedgehog games are all on sale on Steam. I've bought six different Sonic the Hedgehog games just today. <laughs> between Steam and eBay. What did so, you buy on Steam? Uh, all kinds of games. Because like- Sonic as a franchise is on sale. Uh-huh. So I bought... Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which I already have at least two copies of, but it's a dollar, so I love it. I bought Sonic CD, which I have on Sega CD, and I like it. I bought Sonic Spinball, because it's an offshoot. I bought Sonic the Hedgehog 4, Episodes 1 and 2. And I bought Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed Collection. Okay. So everything you bought there is decent to great. Um, if you want to get into the bad Sonics, we're talking Sonic the Hedgehog 06. Sonic I picked that Unleashed. up today. Sonic have, Unleashed is the Werehog, right? Yes, I have that game. I do not, but I've heard that's also shit. It is. Um... It was the it was Sonic 06 and then the following like three games, three to four games were really, really, really bad. Sonic Colors was pretty decent. I thought it was okay. It was on the Wii. Um then they had Sonic Generations, which is fantastic. So Sonic- I'll just plug that Sonic Generations with the Casino Night DLC is only four ninety nine on Steam right now. There you go. That's a great game. Uh, yeah, we'll just get into it. We'll just we'll just talk about it because it's. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait to hear your thoughts on this game. We're having we're gonna have Anthony on for that one as well. I can't wait to play it. Well, I, I, I've got my copy on the way. <laughs> I paid seventeen dollars for that piece of crap. Yep, crazy paying over three times as much as for generations. Although yeah. I did also pay 13 for Generations because I bought it on the PS3. Yeah, I have it on uh, PC. But, uh, yeah, um, see, what else did we have on our list? Uh, Secret Service. So there's an interesting um, – the reason why I have that on my list, because nobody's ever heard of that game. Who the, who's ever heard of that game? Uh, Secret Service is a first-person shooter that came out on the PS2 and the Xbox 360. Yes, you heard me correct. This was a game that came out in 2009, I believe. It was one of the last PS2 games. Um, so all those years of knowledge of the PS2 really made it a, a shining example of what it's capable of. Huh? Exactly. So the story behind this and the reason why I put it on the list was because Ken told me. So I, Ken, the, the editor-in-chief of ZTGD, uh, requested a copy for review. He does it with practically every game that he can. And uh, the PR company was going to send him one until the day it was supposed to come. And then they sent him an email saying, we the, the publishers have decided not to send review copies to anybody to soften the blow. And Kim was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just buy it. And he bought it. And he said it was there was a reason why they didn't send review codes. <laughs> so I really, really want to play that one. 
Um, there is a game. It's not a bad game at all, but it is cheesy. And it's something, the thing is I have no way to play it. I own a copy. I own the PS2 copy, but I don't have a PlayStation 2. Urban Chaos Riot Response. Most people have never heard of this game. You would, you have heard of the developer. It's a developer known as Rocksteady Games. Same people that brought us that Batman Arkham games. This was their first title, I believe. It's a great playing game, but it is cheesy as crap. Mm. It's it, also out on the Xbox? Yes, it was out original on Xbox, Xbox, original Xbox as well. It has a really dumb, awesome theme song that you can <laughs> look up. Uh, it is about a cop who, uh, he's like a special forces cop who's a, like a, works for, like with riots and stuff like that, and a riot breaks out in the city. And these gangs try try and take over the city, and you're like a one man army trying to stop all these gangs. And they have like uh, tasers, and he has guns and stuff like that too. He also has a riot shield that he can bash people with. He has a taser that if you hold it on them long enough, they blow into fire like a siphon filter. <laughs> uh, it's really really dumb. But I absolutely love that game. It's really fun. We have clips of it on the Justin TV channel back whenever we used to stream. Uh, it is, it's a really fun game, but it's also really cheesy. And I feel like it just, it fits that bad game motif. It's also holding its value quite well on eBay. It's because it's actually a, it's a good game. That's the thing. It's, it was, it was, it became a cult classic. So, but that's one I would like to do, but I don't have no way of playing it. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, what else is on our short list, man? I can't even remember. So in, uh, in preparation for this, what bad games have you purchased so far? So I, I did, um, I did pick up a few games. I've been going nuts on eBay the last couple of days. I actually kind of forgot eBay existed for Everybody a while. Did. I haven't used it in quite a while. I guess it looks like January 2018 was the last thing I bought. Okay. Which was New Super Mario Bros. 2 on the 3DS. Okay. Uh, but I did pick up Call of Juarez, The Cartel. Okay. And Secret Service. Those were the first two. Mm-hmm. And then I picked up Sonic 06, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. Oh, yeah. Uh, Superman 64, which Ooh. I don't think we'll play, but I was just real into bad games, and this one seems to be high up on the list of all-time worst. Uh, Duke Nukem Forever I got for 99 cents, which is pretty good. Then I, I had some older games. I don't know. We haven't really discussed them. I don't think there's much chance that we can play any of them, really. The Atari 2600 version of E.T., you know, with the whole story around how bad it was, they had to bury it. Like, like it, it solely crashed the video game market? Yeah. To me, it seems like it has to be played for that reason. It's got history. Um, Night Trap I had on my list. I don't know that we will really play it. it, it again, a game with some history, but I, I don't know. Is it bad? I, I guess all of those games were bad. <laughs> 
all of those FMV games were bad. Night Trap has been degree. re-released on PlayStation 4. Yep, PlayStation 4. It's also on Steam. So anybody could play it. Uh, it actually doesn't look terrible on Steam. I've I've seen it on the <laughs> the, the Sega CD 32X, and man, that's low res and grainy. But I watched a couple of videos of it on Steam. It looks fairly clear. I'm sure, it's still a terrible game, but at least it, you can see what's happening. Um. Yeah, yeah. It's fourteen ninety nine on Steam. We may do this. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever played it? I have I, never. I have never played. I've seen videos constantly of it, but yep. I have never actually played this game. It's been on my list for years to play, just as a seminal Sega CD 32X game, right? And because of its place in history, uh, even long before we were talking about doing bad games. So it's just another reason that it's popped up on my list. Um, Perfect Weapon. I know we've mentioned before. I've mentioned before. Right. It it is absolute shit. I feel like it's one of the worst games I've personally ever played. Uh, but as a PS one game, I don't know. I guess can PS threes PS threes can play PS one games. Can yes. play PS one. So that one's possible, I guess. Yeah. Two Two Worlds. I think we ought to play this year. Two Worlds is is a pretty good one. Yeah. Um. Then I had found some other ones. Aquaman GameCube seems like it will be in a similar vein to Superman and for the N sixty four. Right, um, and then some of the games that like comedy might just put it off. Like if they don't hold up, I was thinking initially Conquer's Bad Fur Day as not a bad playing game, but just kind of a corny, cheesy game. But I know that game's actually fairly well regarded. So you know, I had put on. Um, I think it's the most recent Leisure Suit Larry game as one that is not well regarded and also has maybe cringy humor. Right. Well, let's see here. I'm look at my email I got here. Yep. And then I went to Metacritic and went to the absolute lowest PS3 rated game I could find, which was that unearthed trail of something. Oh, God. Ibn, yeah. Ibn the, Batuta. The, the knockoff um, Uncharted game. Yep. We are Metacritic score of 11. We're definitely going to do that one. That's on Steam for four ninety nine, guys. So anybody yep. out there who's going to play along with us, it's four ninety nine on Steam. And then I looked at the 360 list, and I think their lowest rated game was a 17 on Metacritic. So that makes this game the lowest rated game of the entire generation. Yeah. Which that's some kind of that's some kind of crown to wear. Let's see here. I've got uh, Secret Service, Sonic 06, Call of War, The Cartel, Ride to Hell, Retribution. Yep. Mine. I've got that on my list, but I know very little about it. Uh, apparently it's a long game. It's like a GTA like length. Mm. Uh, Mind Jack, Two Worlds, Damnation. Uh, what else do we put? Let's see here. Anthony wrote down Bomberman X Zero, <laughs> Clash of Titans, Damnation, Destroy All Humans, Path of the Furon. Yep, that one I've seen on a lot of bad game lists. Yeah. Um, but in that, that's almost like its own brand of bad because I have a feeling if I played it, I don't think it, I would consider it bad at all because most of what I read about it said it was bad just because it was a rehash of the other games. Right. But I have played very little 
uh, of that series. So I, I kind of feel like I wouldn't have much of a problem with it because it wouldn't feel like a, a retread for me. Right. I played maybe an hour or two of the first Destroy All Humans, but that was more than ten years ago, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, he's got Haze on here. That's one I want to do. That's a really good one. I've played through that start to finish, and that's another game that's bad because of missing its lofty expectations. That Yeah, that is that is bad because they dubbed it the Halo Killer. Yep, and also because even what it tries to do, like even if it had never been called that, it sets itself up to be a very serious, very powerful message in the game and then doesn't do anything with it. Right. So it's also its own failed expectations, in addition to right being the the Halo killer, mm-hmm. uh, which he, most assuredly is not. <laughs> he wrote down uh, Mind Jack Never Dead. Uh, I I know of that game, never played it. Yep. Quantum uh, Theory. I've got that. I think I have that. Quantum Theory. I think so. The Gears of War knockoff. Yeah. I remember it looking nice and I picked it up cheap one time. Hmm. Ride to Hell Retribution and Sonic 06 for him. Another one he's got on his longer list that is interesting as as far as I just remember having a lot of negative critical reception as Aliens, Colonial Marines. Yes, I reviewed that game. Yep, and I've played through it and beaten it. Uh, and that's another game for me where I'm like, ah, oh, this game... Is so close to being really good. Yeah, that game is... Alright. I'll be the first to admit. I, I think I gave it like a 5.5. That game did not live up to the expectations. That was the problem. And it was... It needed some polishing. Yeah. That game was not bad. It was not a bad playing game. Nope. It had some weird difficulty spikes that I that almost killed it for me. It also had some weird glitches, like obviously yep. the aliens getting stuck in the environment and stuff like that. Um, but that just it, it felt like it just needed like another year in the cooker. Yep. And t- so it reminds me. I think it's bad for the same reasons that we mentioned Eat, Eat Lead before the show. Um, yes. That's another game that I think is very close to being a decent game. I don't think it ever had. Uh, I don't think it ever had expectations of being a great game or ambitions of being a great game, but it was very close to a solid game, except it needed some polish and, you know, could have been smoothed out a bit. Right. But also has that cheesy humor, so it might work for this, this next year. Okay. So I, I noticed on your list here, um, you have Harvester. We can, yep. knock, we, we, we can knock that one off. That one's just not even fun. <laughs> the 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 problem is is that uh, do you know about that game? I do not. That okay. was one uh, consensus bad game. Well, Harvester is <laughs> Harvester's an FMV game. Nice. It's, it's very very violent. Uh the, the reason why it's very violent is because and the developers missed the mark completely is that it, well, okay, spoilers for a game that came out in like freaking 1995. Um, the, at the very end of the game, it's revealed that this is, it's supposed to be a commentary on how violent video games have gotten. But they missed the mark completely. And it just comes off as, what? This is, I played through this entire thing and this was the reason why. 
So it is only it is on Steam. Yes, it is on Steam. And only five ninety nine. I know full price. Mm-hmm. But there are way better and more enjoyable FMV games out there. Yep. Than that, I I, I would just go ahead and say Night Trap would be a better choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, oh man, a Fox Hunt would be a better choice. I don't know if that's on Steam or not. Fox Hunt was published by Capcom. Uh, and it is so weird and so stupid and goofy. It's a guy who becomes a secret agent um, because he's really good at TV shows, TV trivia. <laughs> um, and it has one of the weirdest dumb villains out of like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Uh, he, he, he... Wears a lobster claw um, oven mitt and kills people with it, and he's chasing after you. It's so stupid and weird. We had, we probably have to put Fox Hunt on the list. Yeah, that does sound uh, pretty weird. Is it on Steam? It is not on Steam. Shit. Okay. Let's see. You got Vampire Rain. Now there's another good one. <laughs> <laughs> Blood Rain. Blood Rain's not a bad game. Yeah, I was surprised to see that so so often. So I'm not sure what kind of bad it is. Is Blood it just Rain janky? Two? Yeah, I think it's just janky. Blood Rain Two is is obviously a way better game, um, but I didn't think Blood Rain was that bad. Uh, let's see here, Spogs Racing. Where the hell did you come up with that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what that is. Soldier of Fortune Payback. Any Soldier of Fortune game you get put on this list, I think. Leisure Suit Larry Box Office Bust. The Walking Dead Survival Instinct. There's a good that's, one. That's pretty low rate. Mm-hmm. Low rated. And Family Guy Back to the Multiverse. As fitting under the, the type of bad as I'm sure that the jokes would be bad. Probably. Right, like some of those just corny humors, like I consider that a whole type of bad game. There you go. Another game that Anthony's got on his list that I would lump in there with Eat Lead and Aliens Colonial Marines is Terminator Salvation. Yeah. I played a good chunk of that, and it's bad for exactly the same reason. I feel like it's just not smooth enough it's not polished enough it's it's weird difficulty spikes yeah apparently that game's really easy to platinum yep i think you get a gold for every level and i think there's only 10 levels nice and then you get a platinum (laughs) huh but yeah that's it uh we'll we'll save it so our next game is going to be sonic 06 just for fyi uh but uh yeah we're gonna end it there run a little a little long here, uh, but uh, yeah, We're gonna do our best to finish the Evil Within two next week. Matt, I know you'll do it. Will I do it? Is the question. <laughs> um, which I, I think I'll be able to. We'll see. But um, how far into it are you? Do you know? I, I ended at chapter thirteen. But I mean, uh, time wise, like how oh, much? I got. I, I didn't even take a picture. I just. Sorry, I, I've I, I fixed dinner tonight, and then we watched you. Have you seen that show? You, I don't think so. Okay, uh, 
Uh, it's so, all right, we'll talk about this for a second because I have to tell everybody this is like the next big Netflix show. The thing is, is that this show did not start on Netflix. So you is a show. Let's say you've seen Dexter, right? Yep. Let's say it's Dexter. If Dexter was a stalker. (laughs) So he stalks this woman. So you're seeing it through the eyes of the stalker. He narrates it. He does everything. Um, and it is compelling as hell. Hmm. Uh, it originally started off on Lifetime of all channels. Wow. I wonder how many shows have made the jump from Lifetime to Netflix. Netflix. So Lifetime said, this is a stinker for us. We're just going to, we're going to cancel it. Netflix came in and said, no, no, we'll take it. Netflix has already ordered a second season (laughs) and um, they just released, uh, I think about two or three weeks ago, released the first season on Netflix. It originally aired in September of 2018 on Lifetime and it did so poorly on Lifetime. Lifetime wasn't going to renew it and just dropped it. (laughs) And then Netflix picked it up and everybody's talking about it. Which just goes to show you that nobody watches cable TV anymore. I, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction, but in the next 10 to 15 years, there won't be cable TV anymore. There won't be cable TV. No. Why would there be? People are, Some people are old-fashioned. Those people will eventually die. <laughs> Within the next 10 years? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, the majority of households in the United States have a Netflix account. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, that's, that's, that's the way I see, I see things going, is I think all of these cable stations are going to release their standalone apps or they're going to get licensed to Netflix. Although that's kind of interesting, the way that, you know, when, when it was Netflix or Netflix and Hulu, that was the easy alternative because it's so much cheaper than cable. Um, but now, like, to get what you want, you almost need to buy six or seven different subscriptions. So I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen as far as... I don't think people will pay for more than three or four, right? I mean, I if you've got, let's say, HBO for Game of Thrones, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, you know, right now, is it is it... If you want to watch Star Trek Discovery, you need to buy CBS All Access. I I get the feeling that it it probably won't happen in 15 years or 10 or 15 years, but I think eventually most – there's going to be some mergers. Yeah, there has to be. Like Disney, you know, pulling – Disney may pull some – some companies in Netflix will pull some companies in. If Netflix could ever get their hands on HBO – it, that it'd be over. Yep. Um, which HBO is owned by another company, but I don't know who it is. Time Warner. Is it Time Warner? Uh, not sure. But um, yeah. So it's, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I just uh, we like we're addicted to that show. We're almost done with her. On there's ten, ten episodes in the first season. And we're on episode nine right now. And it is uh, fantastic. 
Hmm. So no, I would I, highly suggest that show. Yeah, maybe I'll load that up next. I'm I'm currently watching Ozark. Yeah, which is pretty good. I've heard people talk about that, but I, for some reason, it just does not grab my attention at all. Yeah, I like I like basically any. I thought it was. It's not what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be one of these kind of austere murder mysteries that happen in a you know a secluded town, right? Which I'm always kind of in for. But this is a little bit more Breaking Bad. It's uh-huh. about a, a guy who goes to the Ozarks, um, and he's not really chased by the mob, but he's he sets up a money laundering business in the Ozarks, and so he's got people from Chicago chasing him. He's got the FBI after him. He's got local things to deal with without right. giving away too much. So it's you know it's just all about all the the crises he finds himself in with his illegal line of work. So all that stuff's kind of interesting. And then throw Jason Bateman on top. Uh, it's worth worth a watch, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that will be the end of the show. So uh, you follow us on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. And you can also write us emails. Tell us about Evil Within. We're going to try our best to beat it. So everybody give your final thoughts on the Evil Within 2. Uh, and suggest some bad games to us. Because um, we are going to be going through a lot of them this year. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for us. We're going to get out of here. Hope you guys have a great week. Until next week, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're gone. Have a wonderful week. We're going to try to finish it up. But if we don't, we will be back next week with The Evil Within 2. <laughs> <laughs>